Well, I'm excited to dive into God's Word together as we continue this series, Living from the Inside Out. We've been studying the book of, in the book of Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus delivered. And as Michael said, today we're going to talk about this big topic of forgiveness. And so I wanted to start today with a little story. Our kids, we're getting to this age or been in this season of life for a while where they love playgrounds. They love being able to go and play and have fun at the playground, which for me as a parent is great and to come alongside of them, but it also takes me back to my childhood, at times sometimes playing with them in this way. But here's the deal. I kind of had a love-hate relationship with the playground when growing up, all right? And everybody's like, how is that possible? Isn't the playground this most amazing place where you can just have all sorts of freedom and joy, sliding down slides, swinging on swings, going around the merry-go-round, climbing on the monkey bars, enjoying all... Don't get me wrong, I did all of that. And my older brother and I, we loved to play on the playground. Our family would go camping, and some of these campgrounds would have these incredible, like, wooden playgrounds, and we would play on it like a fort, or good guys and bad guys and pirates, and all the imagination was amazing. But on the flip side, sometimes the playground, and especially maybe you've seen this at schools, can be a tough spot. This is where often... Some bullying, some tension, some things like that happen where certain kids get picked on and others are, you know, kind of the alpha people with things like that. And it can be a place of tension and struggle and these things that are going on. And it may get to this place where one child finally says, okay, I've had enough or on behalf of someone else, I need to go talk to an adult a supervisor, a teacher, whoever that person is, and they're going to set this straight. They're going to make it so that everything is fair and just and right. All things will be made well. And sometimes that may happen where the person who's been the instigator, the problem, is, gets in trouble and the innocent person is vilified and they're, or excuse me, are, are uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, but The things are made right, and the person who's been the bad guy is sent to time out or time away from the playground, and things are made right. But what about the times when it's not? The times where you come, a child comes and goes to the adult, thinking everything is going to be made right, and instead it's like, well, everybody probably played their part. Let's just let it all go. Or, you know, I'm sure you all had your thing, so everybody just, everybody say sorry to each other, you know, all, everybody give a hug, and then we'll all just move on. But the person who's been innocent, has been just getting hurt, bullied, whatever, is left going, what? now what do I do? This doesn't seem just, this doesn't seem right, this doesn't seem fair. And the funny thing is, as you think about a playground, The very symbol for justice is on the playground. Is anybody with me? It's the teeter-totter. The teeter-totter, right? This this fun device going up and down. Now you're like, wait, what are you you even talking about? I'm half kidding, but the teeter-totter could also be seen in our symbol of justice as the scale, the balancing scale. When you see Lady Justice on this next screen, you think of things being balanced, being made right. And Lady Justice is blindfolded, this symbol of fairness, of justice, of things being right. But... If you've been around for any number of years, regardless of whether we're talking about the justice system or just life in general, 
things aren't always fair and just and right. In fact, it can often feel like this next picture we're going to see where it is completely off balance. Things aren't right. And if you're the person who, let's say, is the innocent person, you're stuck high in the sky, and you're wondering, how will things ever be made right? And as we think about this topic of forgiveness, you're looking down at this person who has hurt you in a very painful, maybe even shameful way, and you're thinking, how in the world could I ever forgive them? Let alone, how in the world could I ever move forward from this point? Well, today we're going to look at this topic of forgiveness. And as we're getting started here, I I just want to tell you this is a big topic and sometimes a heavy topic. And this message might feel that way at times. But I hope by the end of this morning, you can find some incredible peace and a reality of what the Bible has to say about forgiveness and how it affects our lives as followers of Jesus. So we're in Matthew chapter 6, where we've been in the Sermon on the Mount, and I want to read the verses that we're focusing on today, verses 14 and 15 of Matthew chapter 6, that say this, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now we read those verses And at first glance, it might seem pretty straightforward, right? If you're a formula type of person, this is an A plus B equals C. Pretty simple here. If you forgive others, your heavenly Father will forgive you. If you don't, he won't. And you you might have heard these verses before. Maybe you are for the first time and you're like, whoa, that's... Is that really what Jesus is saying here, that it's that simple or, and or that complicated, that if we're filled with forgiveness, then God forgives us, but if we don't forgive, then God doesn't forgive us? Yikes, that's a lot to bear. That's a heavy thing for us to feel and to have weighed upon us. And maybe you have heard these verses in that way before. Maybe you've had these verses in a way kind of weaponized against you or been like, you just have to forgive and forget. You have to be willing to let everything go and move on. If we're going to practice these verses, it's about forgiving, making things right, and moving on. Maybe even a phrase like, let go and let God. He's got it all. So we forgive and we move on. Because if you don't, God won't forgive you. God will withhold his forgiveness from you. And if that's been true for you, if you've had someone tell you that, weaponize these verses in a way to say, you have to forgive and forget and move on, otherwise God won't forgive you, can I just say I'm sorry? That Jesus isn't making the point here of we have to forgive and forget and move on or God will withhold his forgiveness from you. But rather, rather, there's incredible freedom and power in forgiving others because it speaks to something that God has made real in us. And if we do find ourselves going, I don't know, I don't know if I can ever forgive that person. I don't know if I can ever forgive that thing that was done to me. This is Jesus saying we have to examine our hearts. 
And if you're unwilling and can, can say, I'm, I'm never, I cannot, I will never forgive that person or that act, it's a heart check to say, have we truly received the forgiveness of Jesus Christ and his blood that was poured out for our forgiveness? That's what Jesus is really pressing at here. And so today, I've titled this message, Forgive and Don't Forget. Forgive and don't forget. Because here's the reality. You, like I said, may have heard this phrase, forgive and forget, forgive and forget. We just have to move on. But I want us to today really focus on how we can be people who offer forgiveness because of how much we have been forgiven. And the beauty that we have in the forgiveness of Jesus. And not to ever, ever, ever forget that. So we want to forgive and not forget. But here's the reality also that I want to point out, as you'll see as we go along as well, that forgiveness is different than reconciliation or restoration. And we can have one without the other. And I want to give a simple definition to forgiveness, which is this. A conscious, deliberate decision to release feelings of resentment or vengeance toward a person or a group who has harmed you. A conscious, deliberate decision to release these feelings of resentment or vengeance. That it's possible to say uh, in your heart and to someone else, I forgive you. But that doesn't mean the relationship is going to be completely restored. That doesn't mean trust is going to be re-given. That doesn't mean things go back to the way they were before. But there's a true releasing of resentment, vengeance, bitterness in our hearts. And it's fascinating as we look at where this falls in relation to just looking at the Lord's Prayer last week, and it kind of wraps up, and you might go, yeah, these verses kind of just seem tucked in here at the end of the Lord's Prayer, but I think it's, it's fascinating for, for us to think about how forgiveness does affect our prayer life, and I love how Warren Wiersbe says this. He says this, when we forgive each other, we're not earning the right to prayer, for the privilege of prayer is a part of our sonship from Romans 8, 15, and 16. Forgiveness belongs to the matter of fellowship. If I'm not in fellowship with God, I can't pray effectively. But fellowship with my brother helps to determine my fellowship with God. Hence, forgiveness is important to prayer. Our willingness to forgive others around us, the relationships and the people that we are in, relation, in fellowship with around us directly affects our prayer life. So even when forgiveness is hard, we want to be people who are willing to say, I will forgive and have a place of forgiveness in my heart because it does affect our prayer life. But you might be sitting here today and you have a lot of questions uh, going through your mind right now. And I hope a few of them could be answered today. But I also, like I said, want to recognize this is a big and kind of heavy topic. So I want to answer a couple of questions. I want to walk through a couple other passages today that really help us to understand forgiveness and what it looks like in our lives. And so we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 18 and answer this question. How many times do I need to forgive someone? This question comes up, and Peter asks this question and then gives an answer to it as we get to Matthew chapter 18 and verses 21 and 22. Let me just read these for us. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, 
How often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say seven times, but 77 times. Or some manuscripts will translate that as 70 times seven. Repeatedly, over and over again. And Peter, you gotta love Peter. He always is the one speaking up and coming forward. And in this case, I, I just love how he goes about this. You can picture this if you have kids, someone coming with a question that really they already have an answer to and they hope you're going to be pleased with or something that they want to showcase to you. Say your, ch your child has studied really, really hard for a test. And they take the test and they come home and they're like, okay, get, you want to guess what I, what do you think I, I got? Like a 90, like a 92? And before you can even answer, they're like, I got a 95. And, and they're waiting on that. Yeah, wow, that is amazing. Like, way to go. You, like, went above and beyond what we thought, what you thought. That's incredible. So picture, picture that with Peter here. Peter coming to Jesus. Jesus, how many times should we forgive? And the reason he says, what about seven times, is there's this reality. He thinks, this is, this is big. This is me going above and beyond. Because the old law said, we only need to forgive the same person or the same offense three times. It's like a three-strike rule. Three times, that's it. Done. And Peter's like, not only am I going to double it, I'll add a bonus time. It's not six. It's, all right, Jesus, seven times? <laughs> and Jesus, you can picture at this point, that they've been around a while with Peter. He's like, here we go again. Come on, Peter. Seven times? No, no, no. Not seven, but 77 or 490 Either way that you render though that word, these verses, the idea is unlimited forgiveness. You might go, whoa, where do we get that from? Is that even a biblical principle? What is Jesus saying here as he, as he communicates unlimited forgiveness? Well, this is what we see in Psalm chapter 103 of how God forgives us. Psalm 103, verses 10 through 12. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. In verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Completely removed as far as the east is from the west. Now again, you may be here this morning and you've had these verses thrown at you. Yep, God forgives us as far as the east is from the west, so that's what you need to do. You need to forgive that person and let it go like it never happened and move forward because that's how God forgives us. And there's some truth to that. But let's again remember that forgiveness is this releasing a vengeance, bitterness, a grudge, any of those types of things. And recognition of all that we have been forgiven. Recognition that as far as the east is from the west, he has forgiven us. But there are also other pieces that come into play with all of this. But we want to focus on and remember the why behind forgiveness. And that's our second question I want us to answer, is why do we practice forgiveness? Why do we do it? We kind of just answered it to a degree in Psalm 103, 
But I want us to dig a little deeper. And Jesus goes a little deeper. See, Peter has asked this question, how many times do I need to forgive? And Jesus says, unlimited. And Peter, if we're like Peter, is probably sitting there going, wait a second. I thought, I thought my seven times was pretty good. You're saying, un- what? why? What does this even look like? So let's pick up at verse 23 in Matthew chapter 18. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will repay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also, my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. This is a lot in this parable that Jesus uses here. And I want to just highlight a few things that we see here or point out the incredible picture that Jesus is painting for us here. That this master brings the servant before him and says, you owe me all this money, 10,000 talents. This, was, this is in a, another way, or just to put it in pers- modern day language, this would be hundreds of billions, even trillions of dollars. What, but, but what's being communicated is something so far beyond our wild imagination. So let's just use something familiar, the U.S. national debt, all right? This number in the trillions and trillions of dollars, just sometimes, I don't know about you, but when, when it gets talked about on the news or whatever, you're like, yeah, trillions and trillions of dollars feels just not even fathomable. And imagine one person owing that much money. There's no way that gets paid in your lifetime and 10 lifetimes beyond. This is just an unpayable amount. And the master goes, all right, I forgive it all. But then this servant finds someone else who, to give, give it some context against a modern-day language, owes him at what would be in our modern day some thousands of dollars, a few months' wages, let's say, on average, maybe fifteen to $30,000. An amount that's a lot, but still payable over some time. And he says, no way. It begins to physically assault him, choke him. I'm not going to let that go. And sometimes we can do that with this reality of forgiveness, that 
we forget how much we have been forgiven by our Heavenly Father, this insurmountable debt that we owe because we have a perfect Heavenly Father and we are sinful people and we forget how much we have been forgiven. And we look at the world around us or somebody does something against us to hurt us and we're like, I don't know, that hurt a lot. I don't know that I can forgive that. That cut deep. I love how John Stott says this. Once our eyes have been opened to see the enormity of our offense against God, the injuries uh, which others have done to us appear by comparison extremely trifling. If, on the other hand, we have an exaggerated view of the offenses of others, it proves we've minimized our own. When we begin to look at the world around us and, and the hurts, the wounds that we've had and go, man, that hurts so bad. I, I haven't done stuff like that to other people or that's not who I am. We forget our offense against our holy God. And that because God is perfect, he required a perfect sacrifice. And while we were still sinners, while we are still far from God, he gave us a perfect sacrifice in his son, Jesus Christ. That Romans tells us while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This first servant had forgotten how much he had been forgiven. And we don't want to be people who forget how much we have been forgiven. How blessed we are in our lives that God so loved us. And so in this remainder few minutes time that we have left, I want to give just a few application pieces for us today. And I want us to go looking at these verses again and thinking about this whole reality in our title for today of forgive and don't forget. That I want us to have this picture of all that God is in our lives. And so for this first piece of application is simply forgive and don't forget God's forgiveness. Don't forget God's forgiveness that he did so love us. This is this vertical relationship. I was reminded of this in, the, in a book called Forgive by Tim Keller. He was talking about how we have this vertical relationship with God. And the first thing when we talk about forgiveness is never losing sight that God loved me. God loved each and every one of you. That he said, I'll send my one and only son to pay the penalty for our sins. And some of you may be sitting here today and maybe you've forgiven other people, but as you think about this concept of forgiveness, you're like, you know, as I evaluate my life, there's something I've said I could never forgive myself. I'm carrying something that happened years ago. I've been holding on to this. No one else may even know about it, but I could never forgive myself for this thing that happened. Can I, can I tell you, when we say I can't forgive myself, what we're really saying is I'm unwilling to receive the beautiful forgiveness of Jesus Christ. What we're really saying when I say I can't forgive myself is we're saying, you know what, this is too much for God. 
And the reality is he's paid for each and every one of our sins, things that we've done wrong as well as what other people have done wrong to us. And so we revel in the beauty and the awe and the wonder that Jesus Christ died for us, and that is God's forgiveness to us. And then secondly, we want to forgive, and don't forget, it begins in our hearts. And here's the sometimes unfortunate reality, is it begins and ends in our hearts. We'll talk about that more in just a moment. But this aspect of forgiveness may not be because someone came to you and said, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? It's recognizing that there's been a wrong that's happened. And maybe you've been carrying around this vengeance, this bitterness, this grudge. If you're honest, you're like, you know what? If something bad happened to that person, I'd be okay with that. I may even be happy about that. And it's this beginning in our hearts to say, no, I'm going to let God have that person, that scenario. I'm going to truly forgive in my heart. Because some of you may be holding on to a grudge, a bitterness, a vengeance with someone who's passed away. With someone that you moved away from where you used to live. With some job you used to have in 10 states away that you're never going to see that person again. But there's something in your heart going, yeah, mm, that person. Even in this moment, God, you're, it's not God, something stirring in your heart, an anger that, oh, that person, yep, mm, you, you, that, uh, that's it. But this begins in our heart. And maybe there's an ability to, to reconcile, to restore a relationship, to make a connection. But often, it's truly forgiveness in our hearts. But as we've been talking about and owning this reality this morning, it's not a forgive and forget. There will be times where emotions, feelings are stirred up again. The, a person's name is mentioned. Uh, uh, something that you go, oh, I thought I'd forgiven them. But, ooh, that, that still stings. That pain is still there, and that's real, and that's raw. And you may have forgiven them truly, that you hold no bitterness, no vengeance, but there's pain, and there's emotions. And in that moment, this forgiveness in our hearts can truly be given. And I was reading in a book by Lisa Turker, it's called Forgiving What You Can't Forget. There may be things that truly we struggle to ever forget and let go of, and that's going to be a reality. She's someone who was in this scenario where her husband had had an affair for a long, long time. Many, many years had transpired. She's walked through this pain, this suffering, the tragedy of it all. And in moments thought, I, I thought I forgave this, and I truly have given it to God. But boy, these emotions feel real and feel raw. And she said these words that I think are super powerful. I forgive this person for how their actions back then are still impacting me now. And whatever my feelings don't al yet allow for, the blood of Jesus will surely cover. I don't know if those words hit you like they hit me. But there will be times where something, feelings 
will stir. You go, I, I, I think I've truly given that, released it. Don't hold me vit- bitterness, vengeance, anything like that. But it hurts. And what my feelings are feeling right now, the blood of Jesus can cover. And I give that to him. And lastly, as we forgive and don't forget, reconciliation isn't always possible. The third step in this forgiveness process, as I talked about this whole, there's vertical, there's internal, and then there is a reconciliation, a restoration, a horizontal that happens amongst people, going back to what Wearsby said, this relationship with other people. And that is a beautiful, beautiful thing when we can have that and see that happen. Jesus said it pretty almost quickly, and you might even see, say flippantly in Luke chapter 17. says this, pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. Simple as that. Just get it done. You know, forgive. They've, they've said, I'm, I forgive me. I repent. Okay, forgive. Repeatedly, we can do that. And that's in a beautiful, beautiful picture and what can and often will happen. But sometimes... The person never asks for forgiveness. The person isn't sorry at all. The person feels nothing. And you are carrying the weight of, I just wish things could be different. I just wish they would say sorry. I just wish that that hadn't happened. Don't they know how much this hurts? And you recognize that in that moment, you're still holding on to some bitterness that you need to let go to God. And it's not going to be easy. And reconciliation may not happen. It may not be wise to, to restore a relationship to where it was before, to trust a person the way you did before. That may not even be the right or wise thing. But forgiveness is what we are called to do. And we will continue to have scenarios in our lives that are painful and hurts that happen against us. And we can be reminded, I love these words from C.S. Lewis, but to forgive the incessant provocations of daily life, how can we do it? Only, I think, by remembering where we stand. To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. God has forgiven us so much that we can forgive others. Even, as he says, the incessant provocations of daily life, people that wrong us every single day and we're just called to keep forgiving, keep forgiving, keep forgiving. Yes, because of what God has forgiven us in our lives that we have a holy, heavenly Father who has forgiven us so much in our lives. Well, today as we close, I want to provide a way for us to respond. The band's going to come out here, and 
begin playing, and as they begin to just play and get ready for our last song, as you came in today, there was cards that looked like this on the seat around you. Maybe you've been wondering, maybe you took notes on it, that's fine. But there might be one around you. If you don't see it, maybe you're sitting on it. Uh, but there's cards and there's pens in the back of a seat around you and, and seats in front of you. And what I want us to do is just take a moment. Maybe God has been bringing a situation to mind today that you've never truly forgiven that person. You've never truly given that to God and offered this forgiveness that we're talking about today because of the change that he's made in your heart in your, and in your life. And today I want us to give, a, I want to give a few moments that you can take this card and maybe you want to write that name of that person or their initials or the scenario that you're truly saying, I want to forgive and give this to God. And then I want you to take these cards, and we have a fire pit up here in the front. Don't worry, we're not going to start a fire in here today. But in the Old Testament, it talks about sacrifices that are brought and are truly offered as a burnt offering to the Lord. And we are going to later burn these cards. And truly let it be a moment where we say, we're giving this to God. We are forgiving in our hearts this person, this scenario that we've been holding on to, recognizing how much we have been forgiven. And as you write that, and maybe it does stir some things inside of you, we're going to put back up on the screen this quote from Lisa Turkris. I forgive this person for how their actions back then are still impacting me now. And in whatever my feelings don't yet allow for, the blood of Jesus will surely cover. That as you take a moment, you think about this person or this scenario that you truly want to just forgive. That it may stir some things and you offer that to God and let the blood of Jesus cover that pain and that hurt, and you rest in the forgiveness that God offers. So as the band plays here, you can, you can bring these cards and drop them right in this fire pit, or maybe you want to pray over it for a few minutes right where you're seated, and just let sit in this moment just praying before God. Maybe you don't have something you're seeking forgiveness for, but just thank God for his forgiveness and for his sacrifice. Just take a few moments to do that we're going to sing another song.
invite you to, just as we get ready to sing this last song, offer up these words as a prayer. And then we're going to close with one more song called, Oh, Come to the Altar. I love the words of this song, that the forgiveness, our forgiveness, was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And so as we sing this final song, I want to invite you, if you've maybe written something on that card, that you want to come and drop it in the fire pit here and just offer that up to God. And we're going to sing these words together. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. So let's stand and sing together.